Hey, if you were with us last week, um, we, we started this new series called Shift. Everybody say shift. Everybody say a shift is coming. Say it like you mean it. A shift is coming. A shift is coming. Listen, if you weren't here, um, you can always check us out on the podcast. Uh, go to mylegacylife.com, click on listen, and you can, you can check out any series we've done since the beginning of time. Um, and it, it'd be cool. It'll bless you. I promise you that. But last week we talked about a shift in your thinking, a shift in your thinking, understanding that you were created not just to get by with an average unrewarding or unfulfilling life. You have gifts and talents that you have not tapped into. And there's a new level of destiny still in front of you. But to break, break out, you've got to, it starts with your thinking. Say, it starts with my thinking. It was a good message. I hope it changed you. But I believe with everything in my heart that a shift is coming. That's where it's going to change. You've got to get it in your brain that a shift is coming. A shift is coming in your life. And this isn't some weird name it or claim it thing. This is something that you spent time with God. You're spending time in his word. You're spending time fasting. You're spending time praying. praying, And he's getting the word in your heart, believing that a shift is coming. Does that make sense? How many of you guys are grabbing a hold of this? Anybody? All right. Look, I know I've been getting emails, honestly, this week. I've been getting text messages. People are saying a shift is coming. I'm like, yes. That's faith. That's what I'm talking about, people. Because when we believe it, right, it's going to happen. I heard one of my, uh, a guy, we're with an organization, for those of you that are visiting, we're with an organization called The Ark, the Association of Related Churches. It's a church planning organization. And uh, what, one of the, the main founders of the organization, I was talking to him last, year, last summer, he said, listen, he said, you can, you can think it, or you can, you can what do you say, you can think it, you can pray it, you won't see it till you say it. Right? So you've got to get your words. Because the Bible says there's power of life and death in the tongue. So there's power of life and death in this little thing right here. So if we get a hold of the beef between our teeth and start speaking life over our circumstances, it will change. Amen? Amen? Today I want to talk to you a little bit about something different. You could get to your Bibles if you have them, open up your apps, whatever the case would be. And turn to me to 1 Chronicles 17. 1 Chronicles 17. We're going to be reading there. Um, this is David. King David, for those of you who don't know the story, he was the king over the Israelites at one point. Very powerful, very awesome man. You remember the stories where the guy took up the rocks and killed the big giant? That's David. This is this guy right here. All right, he's the hero. Um, and, and we're going to pick up. And here's David. He's just having a moment. In verse 16, he says this, then, God, then King David went in and sat before the Lord. And he said, who am I, Lord, and what is my family that you have brought me this far. So he sat before the Lord. No more. We see David in a time of prayer. That's what this is. David is hanging out with God. That's all prayer is. We think prayer, this big religious thing, we got to sit. No, he's hanging out. He sat before the Lord. So he sat before the Lord. He's praying. He says, who am I, Lord? And what is my family that you have brought me this far? He's counting his blessings. He said, who am I to be the king? Who am I that I deserve this? Who am I that you would bring these blessings upon my life? That's what he's saying. He's reflecting. He's thanking God for the blessings in his life. And as if this were not enough in your sight, my God, you have spoken about the future of the house of your servant. You, Lord God, have looked on me as though I were the most exalted of men. Say, I'm God's favorite. You are. Believe it. You're God's favorite. That's what he's saying. He said, you, look, and, and how am I that I'm your favorite? That's what he's saying right here. Right? What if you lived your life believing that you were God's favorite? Seriously, what if you lived your life believing you were God's favorite? Anyway, I think that's pretty cool. He said, what more can David say to you? I don't know why he's talking in third person there, but he is. For honoring your servant. For you know your servant. He knows God. So you've got to check. The, for you know your servant. So he has spent time with God, and he knows that God knows him. For the sake of your servant and according to your will, you have done 
these, this great thing and made known all the great promises. See, he's again giving credit back to God. He said, look, I didn't do this on my own, right? He said, you have done this for me. I don't know why you chose me. I thank you for it. I don't know why you blessed me the way you blessed me, but all I know is you've done it and there's nothing I could have done on my own, right? So he's going back, thanking God again, this great thing and made known all these great promises. There is none like you, Lord, and there is no God but you as we have heard with our own ears. And who is like your people Israel, the one nation on earth whose God went out to redeem a people for himself and to make a name for yourself? Listen, listen, God, he, once again, he's saying, look, I know you blessed me. I'm not sure why you blessed me. I know that I'm great among men and it's all because of you. And and you've done this not to bless me, but to bless a nation, to bless the world. See, he's saying right here, look, I know I'm not blessed to be blessed. I'm blessed to be a blessing. See, that's what he's saying here. So you got to catch this. And to perform great and awesome wonders by driving out nations from before your people, whom you redeemed from Egypt. You made your people Israel your very own forever, and you, Lord, have become their God. Listen, and now, now, Lord, let the promise you have made concerning your servant and his house be established forever. Do as you promised. Listen, he knows the promises of God for his life. This is key. I'm going somewhere with this. He knows the promise. He said, let your promises for my life, let your, not my will be done, but your will be done. On earth, right? Be established forever. Do as you promise. So he's reminding God, look, God, you, you promised things to me. I spent time with you. I know you. I know the promises that you have for my life because your promises are yes and amen. I know the promises you have for my life. And he's reminding God, do as you promise. Listen, I know the promises. I know what you've shown me. I, for what Jeremiah says, I know the hope and the future I have for you. The plans I, this is David just talking that, Right? So that it will be established and that your name will be great forever. Again, do promises, do what you promise in my life, not for me to be a blessing, but for me, or not for me to be blessed, but for me to be a blessing. So that your name will be great. Not so that I will have cool stuff, but so that your name will be great. Right? So it's kingdom minded. David is kingdom minded. Then the people will say, the Lord Almighty, the God over Israel is Israel's God. And the house of your servant, David, will be established before you. You, my God, have revealed to your servant. So God, you've shown me things. I know what you've shown me because I sit with you. I spend time with you in prayer. You have revealed to your servant that you will build a house for him. So your servant has found courage to pray. I'm praying what you told me to pray, and I have courage to pray what I believe is going to happen because you've shown me what's going to happen. Does that make sense? You guys tracking with me? If you are, say yes. If you aren't, shake your head no, and I'll keep going. Okay. You, Lord, our God, you have promised, again, a promise. God's promised things to him, these good things to your servant. Now you have been pleased to bless the house of your servant, that it may continue forever. For you, Lord, have blessed it, and it will be blessed Forever, You know, when we started Legacy Church, Proverbs 13, 22 says, a good man leaves inheritance to his children's children. That's legacy thinking. David right here still has, David wrote Psalms, he's right in here. He still has legacy thinking. He's saying, God, you bless me, but it's going to be a blessing not just for me, it's going to be a blessing for the generations. It's going to be a blessing for the people of God all around the world. Come on, somebody. Right, that's what he's saying. And, and so, so here, David is just praying to God. He's just sitting down with God. And today I want to challenge you that we're going to talk about how you can shift your life. Last week we talked about shifting your thoughts. This week I'm going to talk about shifting your prayers. And I'm not going to talk to you about how to pray. We're not going to go through, you know, you need to pray, enter his gates with thanksgiving. I'm not going through the Lord's prayer, our Father, which I didn't have. That's not what I'm talking about. I want to talk about how you pray, what you pray. Because what you pray will determine how your life will be. Right? And if we can grab a hold of this day today, listen, Mark eleven twenty four 24 says this. Therefore I tell you, whatever, everybody say whatever. Whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. 
right? Now, this isn't a name it and claim it. Look, I, I want a Mercedes S550 more than anything in life. I really do. It's a sweet car. It's bad to the bone, but I'm not praying God for one. Now, if you want to bless me with one, you're more than welcome to do that. Follow the Lord on that one. But listen, I'm, I, I'm not believing for it necessarily because it's something I have. It's something I would desire, but it's not what God has shown me for my life. Does that make sense? I'm not talking about naming and claiming time of stuff. Like I see it, I want it, therefore I'm going to get it. Now I'm talking about you getting a hold of God. What he's saying here is if just like David, God showed him things. He prayed for the things that God showed him, believing that he was going to get what God showed him. Does that make sense? Okay, so, so, so when you, whatever you ask for, it will be yours. And see, this is a shift that needs to happen in our prayer life. See, how you pray determines what kind of life you will live. It's kind of like that little boy that was, that was in service. He was in a church just like this. And, and he started acting up. And you know what happens when the little boys start acting up in church, right? Mama or daddy going to give him that eye. You know what I'm talking about. Y'all had it before. Come on, teenagers. You can still get it now, right? I get it sometimes from my wife, and I'm 41. She's like, why are you doing that in church? I was like, what are you talking about? Anyway. But the little boy starts acting up, and his dad grabs and picks him up. You know the little log carry. You know, you know when you're trouble when your dad just picks you up any way he can grab you and just takes you? You know what I'm talking about. And so, so, so he takes him, he grabs him, and right in the middle of the service, the little boy goes, pray for me, y'all, pray for me, y'all. <laughs> Listen, I want to I challenge us, church, that if that's the only time you pray for God is when, when you are in need, you've got a problem. You are not living out the life that God has for you, destined for you. All right, God is not the Wizard of Oz. And I think sometimes we approach God as his, he is the Wizard of Oz, as he is the grantor of our request. And if we will just approach him correctly, if we will just read our Bibles enough, if we will just pray enough, if we will just fast enough, if we will just live our right enough, you know, I made it through the day without yelling at my kids, Jesus loves me more today than he did yesterday. Come on, I've thought that, don't judge me. Right? We think that if, if, if we could just come to him correct, then the little man behind the curtain might just have mercy on us and grant our request. Anybody ever felt that way? And I think that's how we approach God. We approach him scared. We approach him afraid. And, and that's just not the right thing. If we ask the right question in the right way, he might just grant our request. If we catch him in a good mood, if we, again, attend church enough, give a little bit more, pray a little bit longer. But listen, we've got to stop searching for God's approval because you have it through Jesus Christ. The Bible says that very clearly, that, 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 that we've got to stop approaching God with our wish list, wish list because God is not the Wizard of Oz. He's not hiding behind a curtain somewhere. As a matter of fact, the Bible says when he was crucified, it says the veil was torn apart, meaning that it, it, there was a veil, for those you don't know, in the tabernacle where the priest would go behind. They actually used to tie a rope to the priest's ankle. And if the priest did not confess, did not sacrifice enough, did not go through and confess the sins that were in his life properly, then he would go behind that veil and he would die. So they would pull him back because nobody else was allowed to go back there. They literally put a a rope to his ankle and would pull him out dead. That's what it was. So the veil, and it says when Jesus was crucified, the veil was torn. You know what that means? That we have free access to, Jesus, to God through Jesus Christ. It means we don't have to go through these rituals anymore. We go through his son, Jesus, right? So, so we, there is no man behind the curtain any longer. We have access to the throne of God. That's good news, somebody. That's good news, somebody. Listen, we need to stop treating him as the wizard of Oz because, because 
of Jesus, you can now come to God without any fear. There's nothing between you and God. And this is for Christ followers. Those of you that haven't chosen to follow Christ, you've got to accept Jesus. That, that's the rule. That's the thing. That's what's got to happen, okay? But for those that are Christ followers, we can come to him confidently and boldly because you are his children. You are his children. It's an amazing thing. Listen, we need to stop treating God as the Wizard of Oz. We need to start asking God, just like David, for the dreams he has placed in our hearts. See, Psalms 37, and it's not up here, I don't think. It says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you and me the desires of our heart. So I think we get this twisted is where, again, we think it's about the stuff. We think, well, God's going to give me what I desire. No, no, no. God gives you the desires. He places desires in your heart, and then he gives you the desires. Does that make sense? See, I think too many times we come to God and we go, God, I desire this. Your word says you'll give me the desire of my heart. And he's not saying, well, I haven't shown you that. I need you to sit with me just like David sat with me. I need you to be in the word just like David was. I need you to know me. I need you to spend time with me. I need you to know what your, my desire for you is. And then you start praying that desire. Does that make sense to anybody? I'm saying that a lot. I want to make sure. Are you guys with me today? Okay. Are you learning anything? Okay. If not, say no. Okay, cool. See, he'll give you the desire of the heart. We pray because we want to spend time with God because he has a hope and a future for you. And it's not that we spend time with him because he loves us, because he's created us, because he's our father. He's a good God who has the best intentions for our life. He has a hope and a future for you. Everything in him is yes and amen. He is your biggest fan. And the only way you can figure out what this life is all about by spending time with the, the, the guy who made it, right? And so, so C.S. Lewis says this way. He says, I pray because I can't help myself. I pray because I'm helpless. I pray because the need flows out of me all the time. Waking and sleeping. Listen, this is key. It doesn't change God. It changes me. It doesn't change God. It changes me. See, we're not there to change God's mind. We're there to spend time with him. And as we spend time with him, it says the word reads us. We read the word and then the word reads us. Right? It, it convicts us of the, the things that we're doing that are in life that we shouldn't be doing. It, it gives us strength when we're weak. It gives us hope and a future when we're hopeless and futureless. It gives us dreams when we can't dream anymore. It does incredible things for us. It gives us faith when we're faithless. If you'll just get into the word, God will change your life. It will shift your life. So how does prayer shift us? Number one, it shifts your attitude. Number one, it shifts your attitude. It shifts your attitude. Anybody remember Joe Theismann? Some of you, if you're under 30, you probably don't have a clue who I'm talking about, unless you're a sports fan. But Joe Theismann was a quarterback for the Washington Redskins. He was amazing. He still holds passing records, went to many Super Bowls. It was, he's got two Super Bowl rings. It was just really cool. And, and one day, I never forget it, Monday Night Football. Anybody remember this game? Anybody remember watching this game? Yeah, a couple. Oh. If, you have, if you don't have a weak stomach, YouTube Joe Theismann and Lawrence Taylor. That's all I'm saying. And it'll... If, his knee and leg went in a direction legs and knees aren't supposed to go. Ended his career. I mean, it was just like, I felt, you ever watch something, you feel the pain, you're just like, oh. Like, I felt my leg break at that point in time. It was like, it was nasty, gruesome, disgusting kind of thing. And, and he said this in all of his, his, his career. And Art Monk was a receiver. He said, I should have known it was time to go when I didn't care whether a pass hit Art Monk in the eight, his number was 81, in the eight or the one in his uniform. When we went back to the Super Bowl, my approach had changed. I was griping about the weather, my shoes, practice, everything. 
And he said, today I wear two rings. The winner's ring from Super Bowl. I can't read Roman numerals right now. And the loser's ring from the other Super Bowl. And said the difference in those two rings laid in his attitude. His attitude. The first one, he's appreciative. The second one, he was, he was entitled. Right? It was all about his attitude. 1 Corinthians 4, 16 says this, Therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are resting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is unseen is temporary, but what is What is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Listen, you've got to change your attitude. When you spend time with God, you no longer look at your circumstances. You're not not looking about how big your circumstances. You're looking about how big your God is. It changes your attitude. You cannot stand to spend time with God and it not change your attitude. If you're in the presence of God, just like David, now instead of being entitled like Joe Theismann was, David is sitting there going, God, I don't know why you blessed me this way. I don't deserve what you've given me. I have no idea why you've chosen me. I don't even get it. It doesn't make sense. I was just a boy in a, she- in a, in a pasture. I was just a shepherd. There are far more qualified people than me, but some reason you chose me. It doesn't make sense. See, he's got a, he's got a grateful attitude, and he's got a, a, an incredibly uh, humble attitude. And that's where we need to be because we can't come to this thing with, hey, God, I deserve this. Hey, God, I deserve that. Hey, God, I spent time with you today, so could you throw me a bone over here? Hey, God, I prayed a little bit more than I did last week. Could you go ahead and and grant this wish? Hey, God, I gave a little bit more in the offering bucket. Can you go ahead and bless my finances this week? Hey, God, hey, God, hey, God, give me, give me, give me, like that three-year-old kid tugging at his tail. That's not how God is. He's not the Wizard of Oz. But if you'll spend time in his word, if you'll spend time in prayer, I promise you it'll change your attitude. It'll make you more grateful than you've ever been grateful for. Because the, bo- the word says what? The joy of the Lord is what? My strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. See, not only does prayer shift our attitude, but it also shifts our dependence. God, it, our prayer shifts our dependence. Matthew 16 says, so do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we fear? For the pagans... So they're saying the rest of the world, run after these things. And your heavenly father knows you that you need them. But seek first, say seek first. Your kingdom and your, I'm sorry, his kingdom and his righteousness and all, say all. All these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Listen. Where's your dependence? See, I, I, I hear people say this all the time. They say, pray like it depends on God and work like it depends on you. Anybody ever heard that statement? Anybody? Raise your hand if you have. Yeah, a couple of you. I don't like that statement because it doesn't depend on me. It never depended on me. It's never going to depend on me. I like pray like it depends on God and work like it depends on God. Right? Because that's different. I, I, I can do nothing in my own strength. I can do nothing of my own. It doesn't work. It's, it's, it, it just doesn't work. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. But when I get Jesus in the mix, when I get the Holy Spirit in the mix, his plan is for me and not against me. Right? He's there to prosper me and to give me success, a future and a hope. So if I get Jesus, if I depend like, if I pray like it depends on Jesus and work like it depends on Jesus, I can't help but have success. And that's what God wants for your life. It's the dependence factor. You've got to depend on him. There was a sign in this textile mill, and it said, it said let, me, let me get it right. It says, when your thread becomes tangled, so they were sewing things, right? They were sewing, so those of you who don't know what textiles are, they're making clothes, basically. When, when your thread becomes tangled, 
call for the foreman. So a young woman, this was her first day on the job, and her te- her, she was her little, I don't know, they, you, the bobbins and all those things, right? I don't know, guys. Ladies, help me out. Somebody that sews. Yeah, sewing machine. But the bobbin, you know, in there a bobbin thing and all the, I don't know all the parts. But anyway, the string got tangled. So, so you know what she did? She didn't call the foreman first. She went and she started trying to, to fix it. And as she was starting to fix it, it just got worse. And it got, anybody ever done that with anything? You're trying to fix it, and it just like, all of a sudden, like I was putting brakes on my car the other day and, and, and I pulled off the rotor and the emergency brake was fa- just fell off of it. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. So literally something I could have done both sides in about a half hour, 45 minutes max, right? Something that was an easy job ended up take, taking five hours. How excited was I? <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you weren't in my neighborhood because you'd be like, he's a pastor? But seriously, so, so she's trying to make the situation better. She's trying to do it in her, she's trying to fix it the way that she knows how, but she does it. And she makes a big mess of it. And eventually she calls the foreman over and she says, excuse me, I, I, my thread got stuck and it got all messed up and I did the best I could. And he looks at her, he says, no, you didn't do the best you could. You should have called me first. See, listen, if you're truly dependent on God, you'll call him first. It doesn't depend on you. It doesn't depend on you. In my weakness, he is strong, right? You've got to depend on him like nothing else. You've got to depend on him like you need your next breath. That's when things change happen. That's when the shift will happen in your life is when you depend on him first. You go to him first. You pray first. My car broke down. I need to call the mechanic. No, we just need to pray over this sucker and believe and not doubt that God is going to fix my car. Come on. Well, God doesn't care about cars. Yeah, he does, because he cares about you and you're his child. And you're his favorite. I just went over that, right? Right? He's going to take care of you. He's going to take care of you. You just got to be dependent on him. When God, 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 I can't do this on my own. Listen, yes, you can. Because you've got to believe that God, I I, I can't do it. You are all powerful. You are all caring. God, God, you have no limitation and nothing is difficult for my God. That's how we've got to live our life. When you do that, you'll see a shift happen in your life. Let's watch this. Now I lay
whining like children. Pointing fingers of blame like Adam and Eve, trying to weasel our way out of trouble like Cain, bartering with God like Abraham, running from our own messes like Jacob, or making excuses like Moses, asking why me, or living with Joshua where the grass is always greener in someone else's yard. Gideon flat out demanded a sign before he'd even listen. And Jabez straight up asked God to show him the money. Like us telling God, Hey, I know you're a little confused right now, God, but here's what you should do. It'd be kids ordering around the Father. But something shifts in the middle of this Like a kid that grows up and starts talking with his dad instead of at him. That kid who gets old enough to stop asking for toys and starts just wanting dad's time more than anything. Sort of like David who fell face down in his shame. Then stood up with a new song of praise. Jeremiah actually asked for discipline. Daniel hit his knees with a heart for the people of his city. And Isaiah reminded us we're all just clay in his hands. Mary didn't say a word at first. Then pretty much just said, let's do this. Then Jesus comes along and shows us how to pray. He was always sneaking off for a talk with death. His very life was a prayer shouted in his death. Reminded us to pray boldly, like the saints and martyrs throughout the centuries. Gandhi began a revolution with prayer. Mother Teresa modeled and Billy Graham defined it. And then it hit me. Like a kid who couldn't wait to move out on his own. But suddenly finds himself very homesick. See, the last thing I want to close with is that prayer shifts our faith. Prayer shifts our faith. James 5 says this, Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone unhappy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in, say it with me, faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elisha was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Think about that. That's crazy. Hey, God, don't let it rain. Okay, three and a half years later. That's nuts. Sorry, I don't know if that's just me. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain. So three and a half years, he prayed, and it started raining again, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, so he's talking to us, if one of you should wander from the truth, and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way, error of their way will save them from death and cover a multitude of sins. This prayer shifts our faith. It's not about us treating God as the Wizard of Oz. It's so much deeper than that. He wants so much more for our life than that. He wants so much more of our relationship with that. If I had that kind of relationship with my wife, what kind of relationship would we have? 
If I just walk to talk to my wife once a week, we're like, hey, it's good to see you. I'll be back next week. I'm just going to sing. I'm going to talk. We'll talk a little bit, but I'll see you next week. How would that be? It would suck, wouldn't it? Let's be real. Right? And that, that's God saying there's so much more to this relationship with God. And when we pray, when we express our dependence upon him, when we pray in faith, things shift. Not just in the natural, but in the supernatural. The Bible says we don't battle against flesh and blood, but we battle against the principalities and powers of the air, the things that we cannot see. So when we pray, things shift, not just in the natural, but in the supernatural. There's a shift coming. Everybody say there's a shift coming. There's a shift coming. Listen, Hebrews says this, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Listen, church, it's time that we step out of our comfort zone and we step into the faith zone. It's time we step in the faith zone. What are the dreams that God placed in your heart that you need to pick back up? What are the things that have died in your life that you need to bring life to? We sang a song earlier talking about Ezekiel. Speak to these dry bones. Speak to your dreams. Speak to this power of life and death in the tongue. What is it that you need to revive in your life? What is it that needs to come back to life? What are the dreams? What are the goals? What are the talents that God has given you that you need to go after, that you need to believe for again, that you need to sit with Jesus just like, sit with God just like David did. Sit at his feet and say, God, you have promised me this. This is what you put in my heart. These are the desires. Your word says you would give me the desires of my heart. Who are you that you should lie? You're not a liar. And I know that whatever you promised me is going to happen. Who, what needs to happen in your life? What are those things that you need to pick back up? Get out of the safe zone and into the faith zone. See, in my, in my room this week, I've got vision. I've got, God, 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 God spoke to me of when we started this church. And, and I've, got, I've got visions for a legacy life center. I don't even know how it's going to happen. I'm going to be real with you. Because the dreams I have, I'm like, that doesn't even make sense. Like, seriously, y'all, if I told you, you'd be like, you're insane, buddy. But I'm telling you, I've got dreams. I've got, I've got this rec center, community center thing, this legacy life center thing that I'm going to build, that we're going to, not me, but I'm going to build it. God has shown us, sorry, I keep saying I'm, but this is my vision, sorry. Don't take that the wrong way. That we're going to build, that God has put in my heart, the dreams and desires that God's put in my heart, that we're going to, it's going to change Groveport. It's going to change Canal. It's going to change Pickerington. I'm telling you, because God showed us that we're going to be a church that if removed from this community, this community weeps, right? We're going to be so ingrained in this community, doing so, such great things in this community through the power of the Holy Spirit, that if we're removed, the community is going to be like, we need you back. You're such an integral part of what we're doing. We cannot do life without you. That's what I'm believing. And this isn't some selfish thing within me. That's a great place to applause. Thank you. But this isn't some, some pie in the sky, name it and claim it thing. This is something that God showed me. On my computer, when, you know, the screensaver, it now has pictures of what I believe that this Legacy Life Center is going to look like. I've got a picture in my office of what the Legacy Life Center is going to look like. I'm believing it. I'm putting the vision out and I'm praying it because God's shown me. Amen? Because I'm stepping out of the comfort zone. And I'm stepping into the faith zone. I'm going to believe in faith that God's going to bring this to pass. It's not going to be anything of my own, anything that we did, anything that I did. It's going to be everything that he did. It's going to be just like David. He said, there's God, I don't understand why you've used me. I don't understand why you've blessed me. I don't understand. I don't deserve it. But God, for whatever reason, you've done it because you want to bring glory to yourself, right? It's his goal that all men should be saved. And when we lift him up, it says he will draw all men unto himself. And that's why we need to step out in faith because faith will be the evidence right? The evidence of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That's what faith does. And when we step out in faith and then the people around us who don't know Jesus go, how in the world did you do that? Why did you do that? What the heck? And they're going to be, because, because God loves us and he loves you and he's got a plan and he's got a hope for this world. Come on. 
Come on. And when you get a hold of that for your life, listen, you've got to get a hold of that for your life. You've got to take the limits off of God. If, if you're not stretching your faith, you're not tapping into everything that God desires in your life. Because you should be scared to death of the next step. You should. You should be scared to death. The next thing God's calling you, you should be like, Phew. like the fact that I'm even, I didn't even want to tell you about the Legacy Life Center because it doesn't make sense. <laughs> We're a church of 70 people. Like really, I'm talking, it's a multi-million dollar facility. How does that happen? Through Jesus through God in faith. As we join together in faith, as we agree, there he is and he's going to do great things. And listen, he wants to do the same thing in your life. Listen, your marriage might be struggling right now, but I'm telling you, if you will speak faith and stop speaking negativity over your spouse, you will see things change in your life. Listen, you may hate your boss. If you'll start speaking faith over your boss, you'll start speaking positivity into that workplace. You'll see things change in faith. If you, your relationships, you'll see things change. Your finances, you know what we talked last week? Stop saying things like, man, I can never catch a break. I can never do that. You know what you need to do? Man, God said he'll supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. And that's where I'm standing, right? I'm believing. I might be looking at lack in my budget right now, but I'm telling you, God is an abundant God who wants to bless me in abundant ways. You're going to speak. We don't walk by, by sight. We walk by, say with me, faith, faith. If you want to see a shift coming in your life, then you need to get out of the comfort zone and you need to get into the faith zone because here's the deal. Here's the deal. You've got to have vision. You've got to ask God for your dreams. You've got to ask God for your goals. You've got to spend time with him and figure out what those are. Spend time with him. And when you remind him of what he's promised you, he'll give it to you. As long as you'll stay connected to him, as long as you'll serve him, as long as you make it about him, as long as you'll keep yourself pure before him, you, you spend your life making his dreams come true to grow the church of uh, his church, you'll wake up one day and find that your dreams came true as well. Right? That's what you need to do. I'm telling you, a shift is coming. Say it with me. A shift is coming. Say it with me. A shift is coming. Do you guys believe that? Yeah, a shift is coming. Listen, let's everybody bow your heads and close your eyes. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Listen, here's the most important thing we can do today because I don't ever want to end service and not give people the opportunity to... to to have faith in Jesus. Because the most important thing we can do is accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior in faith. Hebrews 11, or Hebrews uh, 11, 6 says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. See, Hebrews 11 leads me to John three sixteen, which says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall live and not die. See, you've got to have faith to believe. You've got to have faith to believe. The Bible says, if, if you have faith, even the size of a mustard seed, and a mustard seed is the tiniest seed you'll see, just the size of a mustard seed, you can make things, you can see things change in your life instantly. But it all starts with you making Jesus Lord of your life. It all starts believing in faith that he died for your sins and that he came back alive three days after that and, and that you're gonna live for him with everything that you got. If that's you in this room, you say, Pastor Buddy, I want to live for him. I want to step out in faith. I want to embrace Jesus today. If that's you, can you slip your hand up in here real quick? Absolutely. I see you. Absolutely. Anybody else? Anybody else? Yes. Yes. Will you guys pray out loud with me with these people? Just green, join with me in agreement. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me for my sins. I ask you to come into my life. I embrace you today. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you rose again. And I live for you now, in Jesus' name.
Amen. 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 Keep your heads bowed and eyes closed. And, and I just, I just want to continue for those of you in this room, you're Christ followers. You're living for Jesus with everything that you've got, but you know what? You've lost your dreams for whatever reason. You've allowed life to come at you. You've allowed, you've allowed people to tell you no. You've allowed the enemy to tell you no. You, you've listened to the wrong voices. You haven't spent time in the word like you need to. You're not spending time in prayer like you need to, but you know that God has something for you and you want to pick those dreams back up today. If that's you in this room, would you slip? I want to pray with you, absolutely. All over this room, I see you, yes.